And I think the mistake is that they, if they don't address character, they don't address second and third dimension issues, then they put up with a lot of drama. <laughs> and if they would just learn to address the second and third dimension, they might eliminate a lot of that drama. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond Coaching. I'm Rob Ramsiron. With me today is my good friend, Keith Townsend from the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Keith, thanks for joining the conversation today. Well, thanks for letting me join you. Yeah. I appreciate it. Well, to get going, why don't you briefly tell us about your journey with FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and then the work we've done together. Well, I'll tell you how uh, I got a vision for FCA. It was, I was working at a camp called Kids Cross America in uh, Branson, Missouri area. And a friend of mine, a longtime friend from home, from Florida, got a job, his first job working for an athletic ministry at University of Arkansas called Arkansas Athletes Outreach. And their billing was, they were the largest athletic campus-based ministry. And I went to go visit him and they had a... Uh, their weekly meeting and they had 125 athletes at this weekly meeting and they had, you know, skits and music and everything else. And that really planted a seed, I think, that I felt like, oh, I'd like to do that. And that was probably in the early 90s. And so everywhere, every time since then, every school I've been at, I've helped start an FCA or be a part of an existing FCA. So that's been since probably the 90s. Gotcha. And you were coaching back then too, right? Uh, well, I was. I was a student assistant coach uh, and, uh, and a volunteer. Where at? Uh, Eastern Kentucky, which is my alma mater, and Evangel. Okay. I coached football at Evangel and football at EKU too. Cool. What position? Uh, well, did I coach? Yeah. Uh, at Evangel, I did tight ends. And at EKU, I think I was helping run the scout team. Okay. So I worked, I think I worked with offensive line. Gotcha. Um, so then you've been doing Wichita FCA since when? Since probably 2002, I think is when we moved to Wichita. Okay. Tell us about that journey and what you've done at the different schools on town. Well, I previously, when I worked for camp full time, which is in Branson, we helped start an FCA at, Brand, at College of the Ozarks. And then previous to that, I was at Washburn and I worked in admissions. And my whole reason of being in admissions was to be on a college campus just to do college ministry as my job, but it wasn't my job, but to be there. So we helped start an FCA at Washburn. And then I went to work at camp and then uh, came to Wichita state and worked in admissions and helped with the FCA that was existing at some form. Wasn't very strong, but started volunteering with the huddle at Wichita state. And then that led into uh going full-time doing FCA in 2003, I think, or 2005, probably, I think. And correct me if I'm wrong, and then it was pretty much only Wichita State until... Until 2019. 2019, when we connected. Yes, when we connected. and Which I had no, which is a great story in itself, that I never had a vision for anything else other than Wichita State. And so when you had reached out to my boss at that time and were having the conversation going, we started talking about it. Uh, and I started praying about it and thought, well, that might be kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I, it was never on my radar. It's fascinating. It is fascinating. I consider you a great friend. <laughs> um, 
So one of, I mean, what I w- got me all in on FCA was the philosophy of to and through the coach. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about what that is to everybody? Yeah. Well, in a nutshell, basically they want to have a growing relationship with every, they want to reach every coach and every athlete with the gospel and get them plugged into a local church. That's the simplest form of FCA. Now, to and through the coach, meaning I think at college level, it's different at high school. So I'll start with high school. At the high school level, the coach pretty much does everything and is with these kids. They're teaching them in a classroom. They're in a sport, the field, the court. So the coach at the high school level really impacts the ministry at a high school level. Now, sometimes a huddle can exist, which is their weekly meeting or monthly meeting where the kids are solely doing it and there's not really a coach involved, but normally the high school coach is tremendously involved. College level, uh, not so much. The college level, to and through the coach, meaning the coach gives uh, access to athletes, meaning someone like me can come in with a gospel presentation or come in with a chaplain's program and try to reach athletes. So the coach at this level is the gatekeeper, so So to speak. Let me interrupt. Let's take a step back real quick. Our listeners will span the faith spectrum. When you say gospel, what does that mean? Yes. Basically, the gospel is good news, meaning Jesus Christ died, buried, rose again, paid for our sins. So when I say gospel, that's what I mean. So we take that message to coaches and athletes. That's Mm -hmm. what we're trying to do. Okay, gotcha. Um, One other way me and you have really engaged is through the concept of 3D coaching and holistic coaching. Um, Tell me about your interactions with that and conversations that led to with coaches. What What do you see there? Well, I was like you. I don't think I knew much about it. It was really more introduced to it through you. Uh, they used to be kind of a part of FCA, but now they've kind of separated and did their own thing. Um, what I was struck struck by was the research that showed that whatever, 86% of coaches only coach in the first dimension. Mm-hmm. And I know in your previous podcast, you've talked about the three dimensions. Yeah. And first, for those that are just tuning in, first dimension is the fundamentals, second dimension is the sports psych, team chemistry, all that kind of stuff. And then the third dimension, which I'm sure you'll get into this in a second, very few coaches have the research from 3D and Jeff Duke says that very few people have a plan or do it. Right. That's impacting the heart and the soul. So I was taken back that 85% or 86% of coaches only coach in the first dimension. Wow. Only X's and O's. Mm-hmm. That's it. And they're not addressing the mind, the psychology, all which is the motivation, all that. And then the heart, which you could say the whole person caring about them as a person more than just an athlete or what they can do for you as a coach, you know, win and who, who cares if you're eligible or not, you just stay eligible long enough so you can play, win championships, who, you know, we don't really care about you as a player. So obviously uh, in spiritual nature, we want to care about the heart, the soul, more than just what they, you know, perform on the field or the court. Mm-hmm. Taking the long view of your, let's say the 20 plus years you've been in Wichita doing FCA. Um, first question. Do you think coaches over that time have cared about the person? 3D would say, uh, my experience actually would say they care, but rarely have a plan of how do we do that and manifest it. Has that been consistent over time? That is absolutely true. Okay. I do think a lot of coaches intuitively are three-dimensional coaches, whether they know it or not. They don't maybe know the lingo or those classifications. They, They do care about people. That's why a lot of them are in education or coaching because they do care. They want to win, but they do care about players. 
But I think you're right about a lot of them don't necessarily have a plan of how to reach their players beyond the first dimension. Mm-hmm. They do, they may care, but they may not know how to do it, which I, I, I've noticed that to some degree. Yeah. And that's what's led us to do in this podcast and different things is trying to provide resources and a way to plan to do the second and third dimension kind of stuff. Um, so I was talking to somebody the other day and the, the first dimension with the fundamentals, if if you're not learning that, you're either incredibly lazy because of the access to information or you lack wisdom because there's so much information out there that you can't discern what's good and what's bad. Um, but there's just not as many resources diving into plans and specifics on the next two dimensions. Yeah, I, I have a great story. I have a friend, uh, Dean Hood, is the head coach at Murray State. He was actually in Eastern Kentucky. Um, his first Division One job was at EKU when I was there as a second time around coaching again. And now he's head coach and he is wonderful uh, at building character and having a whole plan in place to, to, to infuse character and even Christianity to a certain degree throughout the team. And he has a binder that's probably five inches thick of material that he's placed together, pieced together over the years of coaching. And he does an incredible job. And, and, really hit me when they, uh, EKU, when he was coaching EKU, they came up to play K-State and I went to go see him, had sideline passes and brought some of my kids and we were on the sideline in that game. And actually EKU almost beat uh, K-State that year. I think they lost like 10 to six or something. And I remember Friday night going into the hotel and all of the players were in the meeting rooms or, you know, the, the conference rooms spread out over tables playing board games. And I just thought, how incredible is this that here are these macho football players that are all sitting around playing board games and cards and whatever. And it was just spread out all over. Everybody loves spades and shoots and ladders, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know why it hit me so much that was just like, this does not seem like something that is very common. Uh, Never happened when I played. And but I don't know, that just really made a different, that, that stuck into my mind mm-hmm. that that was caring about uh, players beyond just athletics, I think. Well, that even goes into the, which I think we can miss the concept of play within high school or college sports. So people want to take it so seriously. Um, I think often people, there's a time to be serious and get after it, but people are the best when they're, it's play and yeah. they're enjoying themselves. Um so on the 20-year view, two-part question, how have you seen coaches change and how have you seen the student-athletes that they coach change? Okay. Well, I think the way they describe the coaching in 3D being that coaches were all first dimension only, no second dimension, definitely no third dimension. I think when I played, obviously, in high school in the 80s, college in the 80s, and uh, yeah, 80s, um, that, that was somewhat true. Coaches didn't necessarily go beyond the first dimension, but I do think coaching now, uh, coaches seem to, to some degree care, like I already mentioned, care more about the kid. At least they're trying to care about the kid. They know it's important to do that. I would have to say with, you've mentioned in your previous podcast about Gen Z, uh, this generation where we're coaching right now is Gen Z. They, I think, are very different. They, they are, they're no longer that the coach says do it and they run through the wall for the coach because the coach says do it. 
And like they say in, in, in the three dimension book that back in the day, there was a whole family unit. And so the coach didn't have to really worry about dealing with the second dimension or even the third dimension because mom and dad were doing that. Well, now there's not always a mom and dad. And so there are all kind of other socioeconomic issues playing into kids' lives. So coach has to become, I think, a better counselor than probably they were whatever 30 years ago when I was playing or maybe yeah. when you were playing, I guess. Yeah, it's so hard to say because we glorify, I mean, my grandparents, I'm sure, said my parents' generation didn't yes. get it. And, you know, my parents were probably saying they that would, about yes. mine. But at least for me, my memory was, yeah, the coach said you're going to do it, you're going to do it. Yeah. And um, I think there's good and bad with that because I yeah. think there's a demand of kids saying you're going to treat me with respect. That's a good thing. <laughs> you know, the, the days of kind of just screaming coaches all the time and belittling kids, that that shouldn't be part of what we do. Um, so I think that part's good, but there's certainly a negative to it too. Um do you think coaches have adjusted? First of all, do you think they've adjusted well? And then second, do you think they've adjusted because they wanted to keep their jobs and they thought it was the right thing to do? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, my. So did they adjust well? And then essentially, why did they adjust? Well, I don't know. I guess if I'm looking at it just uh, without deep thought, I would say coaches have adjusted. Now, second question, did they do it because they're forced to do it? I do think there's some of that element too. I do think maybe behind the scenes and not in, you know, not in front of reporters, coaches sometimes are still coaches, I'm mm-hmm. thinking, right? Um, they're, they're worried about uh, maybe image or being politically correct or whatever. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think I would agree with both those. I do think they have changed. I think they have gotten better in a lot of ways. And and you can even see it in, even in the NFL. Some of these coaches that they're hiring, and you're going, wow, they really hired a guy that's like 30, 32. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> 32 years old, and he doesn't even seem like a coach mm-hmm. at all. Uh, and then... Yeah, the, they're doing it just because times have changed and they feel like they have to do it. I, I think that's there too. Yeah. So I'm curious. Let's look at, you've been with us at Friends for five years-ish. Um, curious over that time how conversations have evolved. Because um, here you do 3D training with coaches. You do book studies, you do Bible studies, small groups, different things with coaches. Have those conversations changed over the last five years? Um, let's see. When we first started doing it, I think they have changed to some degree because now the lingo, now whether every coach totally embraces it or totally mm-hmm. um, is a 3D disciple, but I think I've seen some form of the content being discussed or talked about. Like some of the ideas from the book have been planted, I think, as seeds and some coaches Oh yeah, I like that idea. I'm going to do that idea. Mm-hmm. And even listening to your your interview with uh, um, Dustin, our golf coach, talking about some of the things he was mentioning were, I think, ideas from 3D. Mm-hmm. And so I do think the conversation over five years, because now the lingo is common, mm-hmm. the information has been out there. I do think it's Im- impacted coaches. I know it's made coaches think about how to go to the third dimension. Mm-hmm. Even if they're not comfortable with it, it gets them thinking about doing it. Yeah. 
What are the negatives you think to the 3D or, I mean, I think it's broader than that, what we're doing, the holistic approach. What do you you think the negatives are or the challenges? Well, I think, I don't know. I can only go from my time because every new coach that's hired, full-time coach, uh, we take them through the three-dimensional book. Mm -hmm. So I think if there's a negative, it's just, it's one more meeting that has to be done. And we do the meeting and they checked off their, their checkmark box to do what they had to do. Mm-hmm. I would say that could be a negative, but I do really think though that that makes them think. Mm-hmm. I think it puts vocabulary or ideas into their mind mm-hmm. of how to maybe go further with that. So if you say a negative, that's why I guess that's what I see. Now I can't say that I see it every time in their coaching on the field or the court necessarily always, but that's what I would say. Gotcha. Um, want to shift gears a little bit, thinking more broadly of what you see with coaches. And one question I have is what do you think coaches should learn earlier in their career, but they're not taught? Ooh, well, I feel like some of the initiatives that you've tried to start, are trying to address that issue. Mm-hmm. I do. Th- well, are you asking it from a spiritual perspective or or secular or both? Whatever comes to mind. Okay. Well, first thing that came to my mind was the spiritual component. Mm-hmm. I feel like it would be helpful for coaches to be encouraged and taught if that's what they need to be forthright about their faith and having faith a faith component in their program. I've noticed at all kinds of levels of that being done or not being done. And I know every school's different. Every place is different. I guess every administration is different, but my experience has been, especially at the college level is if you win, a coach can pretty much do what they want to do. And, and, and a blind eye has turned a lot of times to things that maybe otherwise they may not they, they may address, right? I, so I can't, I can't imagine what you're talking about. Right yeah. Now. So when you're winning, you can get away with stuff. And I think you can, when I say get away with stuff, you can be as spiritual as you want to be. And I, I think a perfect example of that is Oklahoma softball. I have never seen such an evangelical uh, flavor of a program, a division one national champion program. I can't imagine that the administrators or whoever are just not rolling their eyes going, man, I wish they would stop talking about Jesus and God. Mm-hmm. That's incredible to me. And I often want to be a fly on the wall to find out how that coach brings faith into uh, a team where maybe not everybody is. In a public school where it's. Yes. Frowned upon. Exactly. The, yeah. How to do that. So. Uh, I, if, if they had to learn something, I think as a Christian coach, I feel like encourage them how to be forthright with their faith, how to implement their faith in their coaching. Let me ask a follow-up to that. Um, cause of complexity even in our, cause we're in the Christian college world. Right. So I've been at three different Christian colleges, a Nazarene school, a Mennonite school, and now a non-denominational Quaker heritage school. There are different interpretations at each place of what it means mm. to incorporate faith in the coaching. Yeah. Um, address that from a oh. ministry perspective for you and just a, like a training perspective for people that, like in my position, what does that look like? Yes. Okay. Wow. Does that make sense? Yes, it does yeah. make sense because you you have, 
in this case, two organizations, you have friends who has a certain bent mm-hmm. or theological bent and FCA, which has a certain theological bent. And even taking a step deeper, Heston College, where it was before, different theological yes. bent, Mid-American Nazarene, totally different theological bent. Correct. So yeah, anyways, go on. Okay, so I think FCA's position has always been a good position is they are not the church and they are going to you know, focus on the basics, right? You've heard that TikTok, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to major into majors and minor into minors. And FCA's major is basically Christ and Christ crucified, meaning Jesus is the center focus point, and we're going to talk about that. We're not going to get into side issues of doctrine that maybe a particular school might really feel strongly about. We're just going to focus on Jesus and uh, leave it at that. And I feel like that's how that kind of works in that realm, um, because we're maybe not getting into so much areas where there might be a lot of disagreement about theology. Now, maybe there could be a little bit, because I would say, obviously, FCA would be much more evangelical conservative. If you were in a more liberal position, you might have some uh, pushback or some Mm -hmm. rubbing, some agitation, probably, I think. Um, But it seems to work pretty well, I think, because its focus is pretty generic. FCA's focus is pretty central. So you're, no matter the theological bent in a private Christian school, would your statement be, there are some basics we can all agree upon. Let's just have a baseline expectation. Correct. Okay. And and even the argument that's used against Christianity a lot of times is, well, look, you guys aren't even unified. You have all these different denominations. Well, maybe that's true to a certain degree, but no, it's not. We are unified. We're unified on the things that really matter. Mm-hmm. And then you have all these other peripheral issues on the side that we can all argue about. But the the general consensus, we are unified mm-hmm. on what matters. Yeah. My my church has a saying of in, um, in the essentials. So the basic gospel you're talking about, unity, and in the non-essentials, liberty. Correct. But there's a lot of disagreement on what the non-essentials are. So anyways, um, so what else on Ooh. when you're thinking, what are coaches, early career coaches, if we're going to close that gap for them on training, they... They need, they may not even know or agree they need. What else are you seeing? Well, I guess from a non-spiritual perspective, if you were not a, uh, let's say, of, of, of coaching, you're not a coach of faith, just caring about players, caring about their person and making them better men or women, mm-hmm. depending upon whatever field you're in. That would be the holistic side of that, learning to care about that in your young coaching career instead of just winning, instead of just being solely focused on uh, winning and doing what it takes to win, but also winning off the court or field, whatever it might be. Any specific strategies or examples of that? Well, I don't know. I think in the 3D book, they talked a lot about some of the high school coaches that really, like one that sticks out to me is they, the football staff made a point that every, their coaches, every coach had to go visit the home of all their players Mm -hmm. and they'd have to spend a long time, but they needed to meet whoever the parental unit was and have this conversation. And I remember the story being that the particular kids they were talking about didn't want them to go visit their home. They, They were embarrassed, I guess, or whatever their home, but they went anyhow. And that conversation turned out to be a, whatever it was, a 20 minute conversation or an hour conversation. And those parents really had buy-in to that staff because they were showing that they cared more 
really cared about them. Yeah. So I guess if you're learning to be a coach, what does it take to really go the extra mile mm-hmm. to really connect with your players? Yeah. I think the kind of a level up the basic premises, you can say you care about kids, but what's your plan to be strategic to demonstrate it? And that's a lot more complex than it sounds when you have, I don't know, hundred kids on a football team Yeah, where you only have so many hours in the day, you can't be sitting in 30 minute meetings with all of them every week. So what does that, what does that look like? And that's one example. I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Now I, I just came to my mind too, you know, in being in my position, being a faith-based ministry, you know, not every, sometimes I've had coaches in the past when I was just uh, in high school doing my first job out of college was working for FCA back in um, Florida. And my job was to go to high schools and try to start minister to coaches and start huddles at high schools. And sometimes a coach may not even really be a spiritual person, Mm -hmm. but they knew it was important to their players. They want anything, they would say anything that helps my team be better, they would be on board. Even if they didn't care themselves, if it made the team better, sure, go for it, do it. And that's that's wisdom to me because the coach cares about, you know, the, the team. Mm-hmm. Right. So even if they're not a person of faith, <laughs> they they may be willing to let a person of faith come in and do something. Yeah. If it helps the team. I used to I've heard that concept over time and I used to used to make me angry. Oh. And now I don't care. <laughs> if it's a positive impact in the ends. Um I personally have seen coaches transformed that were there where I don't care, but if it helps, let's do it, to where they saw personal life transformation because they let positive influences and people into their program. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Matter of fact, I'm thinking um, and going along with that impact. Uh, this was a 3D story talking about Bobby Bowden at Florida State about when he had his meeting with his volunteer coach, whose job was to be the faith liaison to, to run FCA. Mm-hmm. And he had that meeting with him in his office. And he said, Jeff, these players have to leave here after their four years changed. They have to be different when they leave. And that really stuck out to me mm-hmm. that he was concerned enough to say, this has to happen. Yeah. And it was important to him to take the players to two different churches, a white church and a black church. And just to show them the importance of this matters to you. Mm-hmm. Mark Richt, who was the uh, head coach at Georgia, and I can't remember if he won an S championship. Or no, I guess he didn't, but very successful. He was a GA and then a, a full-time coach at Florida State. And you talked about influence and not, not, you know, you, maybe you didn't, you weren't a person of faith, but you, if it helped the team when they had a, he was not a, a Christian guy and they had a player that was killed and uh, they had a team meeting and coach Bowden had said something um, about that player, his seat, they left his seat open in the meeting. And he made a reference to, I care about where you guys go when you die. What happens when you die? And Mark Rick said he was standing up there at the top back of the meeting room and he was like, oh, yeah, what does happen to me when I die? And it bothered him so much that he had a meeting with Coach Bowden in his office. And uh, basically, Coach Bowden led him to the Lord. Wow. Incredible story. story. Yeah. Yeah. Kay Yao, who used to be the famous uh, women's basketball coach at North Carolina State, which I think FCA has a national award named after her. Phenomenal coach. She was not a Christian person. And she had, um, I think it was a Campus Crusade staff person, had just asked her, hey, will you let me speak to the team? And she said, sure. 
And in that team presentation, that staff person presented uh, the message about Jesus and asked players for a, a particular commitment. And she became a follower of Christ from that meeting. Wow. And it changed her coaching career. She was an incredible woman of God, faith, faith-filled, and very successful coach. So, yeah, even if the coach doesn't have a particular meaning about it, you yeah. know, like you say, you can see somebody's life transform. Yeah. Which is, I think, why we do what we do. Yeah. Because you want to see lives transform. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, faith or secular environments, um, if there's not the holistic side, there's part of it where athletics could kind of be a waste of time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really can. Um, Absolutely. So two more questions, then we'll wrap up. Um, you've seen a lot with coaches over the years. What mistakes do you see them make, particularly early in career, that could be easily avoided? Well, um, I'm thinking here about character. The, la- the not knowing how to do it, not addressing it because they think it's not an, it's not their their point. And I think the mistake is that they, if they don't address character, they don't address second and third dimension issues, then they put up with a lot of drama. Mm-hmm. And if they would just learn to address the second and third dimension, they might eliminate a lot of that drama. Yeah, A lot of the interpersonal relationships between players themselves and maybe their relationship to coaches. Simple things like dating relationships, the drama that comes about because you you won't take the time to maybe have a real heart-to-heart conversation about, hey, who are the kind of people you should be hanging around with? Maybe you shouldn't be hanging out with that guy or that girl. They're really not that good for you. But then, yeah, you don't want to address that issue. So your player has drama that affects the team because they, they, they're not, you won't address issues like that. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know what you think. You, you think, well, that's not my job. And I'm thinking of a, of a coach in particular that I know that I work with that uh, I do not think will address much the second or third dimension, really. Um, and there's sometimes in the past there's drama. And I don't, yeah, I think you could avoid that if you would just, if you would pay attention to that second and third dimension. Mm-hmm. I see coaches and outside of your specific example, even um, just communication, how we treat each other, how we talk to each other. Coaches that don't, they either are very extreme and trying to dictate every part of their lives or they just don't touch it. And both those things tend to blow up. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So if you could avoid those issues. Yeah. I feel like you, you would be a lot further ahead. Yeah. But I think modeling how to take on difficult conversations in a respectful way. That's as, that's an incredible impact a coach can make if they do it well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So before we get to the rapid fire round, last question, uh, based on what you've seen, you have in theory a captive audience if anybody's listening to our conversation on our podcast. What is one piece of advice, one message you would have for coaches? I think if you coach, you're listening, if you're not, well, if you are a person of faith, to continue to develop that, and go as deep as you can go. If you're not a person of faith, to really explore it, to have an open-minded conversation, to be a seeker of truth, be a seeker of truth, regardless, uh, would be my advice to you or admonition to them mm-hmm. to to be a person of truth, seek truth, and 
uh, be willing, have an open conversation about it. If you've never thought about it, as far as being a faith-based person, to have a serious conversation about it, to think about who Jesus is and um, how it applies to your life. Cool, cool. All right, we always close up with the rapid fire round. So you have no longer than 30 seconds to answer any of these questions. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. What is a book or books you've given the most as a gift and why? Okay, well, uh, it's funny. I have never really given that many gifts as a book, but I do think a book that I read within the last couple of years, A Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Um, I can't remember the guy's name. He's a pa- Comer, I think. He's okay. a pastor. That book was pretty amazing to me. Cool. How has a failure or an apparent failure set you up for later success? Ooh, I feel like I've had lots of failure. Um, well, I don't know. The clock's ticking. Hurry up. Just pick up and keep going. Don't, don't take it so personal. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's it. Don't take it so personal. Don't beat yourself up. All right. You didn't answer the question, but we'll move on. I did answer the question. Um, what is your favorite podcast? Well, you mean besides this one? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, oh, my goodness. I have, if you look on my phone, I have so many podcasts that I listen to. Um, I'm very interested to answer to this one because you send me so many of them. Oh, I know. <laughs> I I don't know if I have a favorite. Yeah. I don't know. I, every uh, Victor Davis Hanson, I listen to a lot. I like him. Gotcha. Okay. How do you define success in your work? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. What does that mean? Means you don't care about outcomes. You're not, you're not judged on outcomes, whether you've had a hundred people come to salvation or none come to salvation or none. You just be faithful, faithful to the call that God has called you to do, cool. which is to, to present the good news of Jesus Christ. So that's faithfulness is how you measure your success. Cool. Last one. In the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? Having a prayer app and in that prayer app, having a list because you, you, you'll say, hey, I'll pray for you. You ask me to pray for you. And I'll say, I have every intention of saying, I'll pray for you. And maybe you don't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, besides learning to pray right at that moment or when somebody says that, I get the prayer app and I put in my prayer requests to me, that's been very helpful because it has a list of people to pray for, and then I can be reminded to go do it. Cool. Well, this has been a rich conversation. I appreciate you taking Thank the time. You for letting me come. So if you don't mind, I'll put your contact info in the show notes. Sure. So if anybody has follow-up questions or wants to talk to you, they can, they can reach out. Yep. Cool. Be great. Well, thanks again. Yep. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Coaching. We hope today's discussion provided you with insights into understanding and leading. As always, thank you to the 3D Institute and Friends University for their support and passion for empowering leaders. And if you have any questions for today's guest or myself, all our contact information is in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in. Beyond Coaching is a podcast of the Impactful Coaching Project in partnership with Friends University. The Impactful Coaching Project seeks to develop coaches that coach the whole person. The Impactful Coaching Project is the thought leader in coaching the 21st century athlete and produces training, information, and original research to help coaches develop. For more information, check out impactfulcoachingproject.substack.com. Thank you for listening.